The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to Provoke Media's Luminaries Mentoring Circle series. So this is a series that we're partnering with Lippy Taylor on to provide the PR industry's rising stars with some mentorship and some guidance, and particularly um, the industry's women. So this is the second episode in the series. The first was a conversation with Levi Strauss CCO Kelly McGinnis, which I'll include in the show notes for those of you that may have missed it. But today we have Lily Lin, who is Vice President of Global Communications and Public Affairs at Google. And Lily, I believe you've been at Google for more than a decade now. I have 10 years and four months, but who's counting? Wow. Well, well, congratulations. Um, Thank you. And we also, of course, once again, have Maureen Lippi, who launched Lippi Taylor more than 30 years ago. And um, as I mentioned in the previous video, her firm has been a pioneer and and new approaches to marketing to women. Um, And she will also give her perspective on today's call. Good morning, Arthi. It's great to be here and to see Lily again. Yes, we're thrilled to have both of you here. Um, and I realized, you know, this is the first interview that I've done for 2021. And one of our big kind of editorial themes that we're building this year around is this idea of a reset. Because, of course, 2021 will likely not look like 2020, but it won't look like 2019 either, right? Mm. So I, I'd love to get your thoughts, both professionally and personally, on what this idea of reset for 2021 might look for, for, for both of you. Maureen, well, would you like to do the honors? Sure, Lily, I'll start. Listen, I, if ever there was a time when we are all thinking about a reset or pivoting into another career, it's right now post-COVID. I think everyone has had a lot of time to think about the work they're doing and they're, they're reassessing, is this what I want to do? Do I find joy in my everyday um, activities? And I think many people are realizing, I want more. I want more out of my work. Um, and I think there are things that, that, that you can do to, to start to examine other, other careers. And I think if you figure out what it is that you want to do, I think it's very important to start signing up for meetings, going to conferences in, in those categories, start reading trade publications, get on the websites, find out as much as you can, and also set goals um, and, and, and make those goals very measurable. So you're really, really working towards um, achieving getting into this new category. Now, it's very hard with HR people. If you don't have experience, they're not even going to look at your resume. So I recommend that you go, try to go direct, try to go direct to whoever the hiring manager is. And it's even better if you could even regarding sending a a, a resume, it's probably not going to work. I say, just try to get in front of that person. Try to to walk in the door if you can, or certainly try to call them. It's all, all about storytelling because you are resetting your career with this person who's going to make a decision about whether or not you're right for the company. So be sure to tell a really good story about why you think you would be perfect in this category. I think that's, I think storytelling, really creating a, um, a, a narrative that's creative and, and interesting is certainly a way to go. I'm worried, you know, I'm just worried about resumes. I think they, they will get lost because the HR director will see, oh, you have no experience in this category. So they're never going to take you um, to, to the, the person who's going to make the decision. I would also consider if, if you can, maybe trying an internship. Ask, can I, can I try uh, doing an internship for a couple of months or a training program? Do anything that you can 
to try to get into the field that you want. For me, my biggest pivot was going from editorial to the other side of the world, which was starting in public relations. And it was a major pivot. I don't know whether I went to the bright side or I left the dark side, I'm not sure, but um, I'm, I'm used to the pivot and it's something that we should all be considering and not afraid to do. So, you know, that's my two cents. You know, one point that, you know, on, on the internship is, you know, people think of that as being sort of, you know, more junior in your career. But I will say that I've seen more and more folks in, in, in senior levels of their career taking, you know, they don't call it, you know, an internship, right? But they'll, they'll take a, a garden, what is it called? Like a garden leave or something. And yeah. during that time, they, they do, there's a reassessing and a retooling of their skill set. And they reemerge in a completely different um, style of function, right? So, so you know, that, that, I like that because it's not internship. The idea of an internship is not just for people that are, that are junior. And Starting. Are yeah. Right. Um, Lily, but you get in, you get in. That's yes, the important yes. thing. Um, Lily, would love to get your perspective on kind of what, what 2021, what this idea of kind of resetting this year means for you professionally and personally. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll start with the personal aspect, which kind of bleeds into professional. When I think of this year, I mean, look, when I look back at 2020, I hate to overuse the word unprecedented. I think it was an incredibly tough year where we've had to deal with a, a lot coming at us um, in our personal and professional lives. And so I think personally for me, it was a lot of almost survival mode in a lot of ways as a, as a working mom of two young kids. It was working from home, but it also felt like living at work, right? As we all retreated to this work from home posture, homeschooling, um, sheltering in place. And you know, I do think it was very challenging. And so when I think about reset, it's, it's not a hard reset for 2021. I, th I do think that we'll see at least for the first half of this year, a little bit more of the same as, as, we, as the vaccine rolls out, we're still working remote. But I, I do think I'm feeling rejuvenated because I approaching this year knowing now more what to expect. And I want to live life and approach, you know, professional and personal life with more intention. We've kind of mastered our work from home environment. Um, I do think that there is a lot of silver linings that we're embracing in terms of, you know, just even drilling down on working remote. It, it's this democratization of of kind of work and no matter where you are, we're all grit, you know, we're all one grit on the screen. And, um, and you know, I've learned better per personally and professionally how to draw boundaries. In the beginning, it was really blurry, like working and then working well into the night and, you know, just uh, being always online. But now I, I do think that I'm being more deliberate and intentional with my schedule and, and shutting down at certain times in the evening and, family time is family time and being very protective of that. So I just feel like I'm approaching the year with a lot more intention and feeling a lot more prepared to deal with what comes our way. Yeah, I think, right. I think that was a very good point about, I mean, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not out of the woods by any stretch, but I think the difference is, like you said, Lily, we have a better idea. We know what to expect in 2021 a little bit better than we did in 2020 when we were hit in March with, you know, I mean, many people were blindsided by what happened. And I like the in, in, intentionality. I think that's a, a really good way to put it. I want to circle back on something that both um, I think Maureen and, and Lily kind of touched on. And Maureen, you know, you, you had mentioned kind of that pivot you had made really early in your career when you went from right. editorial to kind of building your own agency. And, and Lily, you know, you and I have known each other for a really long time. And, and I remember when you were in more, of a, in more startup environments, like um, at, at Slide and, and, and BitTorrent even before that, 
I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, how you had to shift your career when you went from being at, in a startup environment to being at a more established company. Because I think to Maureen's point, as, as people start to reevaluate careers, people are going to, going to find themselves in new work environments um, throughout this year. So I'd love to get both of your perspectives on how do you, what's the best way to ease into that, that, you know, changing of environments, especially when it's quite dramatic. That, that's a great question, Arthi. I'm, I'm happy to, to kick off. I think when I think about my 20 plus years in communications, I think the way I would answer it is like, what has been my guiding light all along is a quest to learn as part of just wanting to be a lifelong learner. You know, I started out my, my career at the Hoffman Agency. So I was on the PR agency side for the first seven years and I've, I learned so much there. I feel like I learned a lot about public relations. And then at some point I thought, well, you know, I, I feel like I've done the agency thing for seven years. I'd love to, to learn more about being at a startup. And I was employee six at BitTorrent. And as you know, at startups, you have to wear multiple hats. I learned a lot more about comms, but uh, a bunch of other functions as well. And then I went on to Slide, which was a larger stage startup. And that was different environment as well. And then we were acquired by Google. And when I came to Google, it, it was a shift. So to answer your question, it was, I held on to that North Star of just, I want to continue to learn and, and fill out my, my toolbox of skills. And so I sought opportunities for um, doing different things. And that has led me in my 10 year journey here at Google. And I've had a chance to work on many different products at different stages of their life cycles and with different size teams and, and in different topic areas. And, and so all along the way, it, it has felt like a zigzag sometimes, but um, I feel good about kind of the journey overall because I feel like all along I've been led by this, this desire to just keep learning and keep growing. And as soon as I feel stagnant, that's when I know it's time for a change. And, and Lily, I would love to maybe go into, because you've been at Google for, for more than 10 years now, and your career trajectory there has been really interesting. And you and I have spoken about it, but I'm not sure if our listeners know about it. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what you started doing at Google and to, to what you're doing now? Um, and it's also a testament to the fact that you don't necessarily need to change jobs to, to, to change what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, when I first started in 2010, I was working on a single product on Chrome, the browser. At the time, we were just an up, upstart and emerging products. And then now Chrome is the most popular browser in the world, but we were an underdog. And so it was a really exciting product to work on. But over time, what had happened was, you know, I went from being an individual contributor working on a single product to then um, taking on more under my portfolio and then being able to build more of a, a team. And so at over time, I worked on Chrome and Android and um, Enterprise, which is now Google Cloud and a bunch of our various products. And at this point, I'm looking after most of our product portfolio and um, the team is larger, uh, which has been a great experience here at Google being a team lead and a people manager. And I would have expected that I, I would have um, come to this point in my journey here. But again, as I was mentioning, it just, it just kind of happened because I kept wanting to, to just learn more in different respects, whether it's different products or um, different scope, different roles and responsibilities. So my responsibility is PR as well as internal comms at Google. And, and you're one of five VPs, is that still correct? 
I believe, yes, that's right. I, 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 that's right. One of five, um, and super proud. I'm the the only woman um, vice president in our in our communications department, wow. and the only woman of color. So I'm I'm really proud of that, and um, the only working mom. So wow. I, I, I think that's it's nice really, because that's it's amazing. <laughs> thank you. I feel, I feel you. slightly sheepish saying that, but I do think I should um, yeah. embrace that and. I've gotten really great response from folks on our team. As as we all know in PR, there's there's a majority, you know, female population in comms and a lot of working parents. And I think it's important for some folks I've heard, you know, they 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 feel encouraged because they need to see it to be it. And mm -hmm. they feel like they have opportunities and a career path. Because as you know, we have to confess it can be hard sometimes balancing all of it. And I think this is a great way to segment. And Maureen, I, I, I know we didn't talk about your pivot, but but we did talk about it in the in the Kelly McGinnis interview. Yeah. So I'm going to direct people, if you want to hear about Maureen's pivot from the editorial to to PR, definitely um, click on the, the Kelly McGinnis conversation, because let's let's dive a little bit more into this um, work-life integration piece and, and this balance, because I think both of you can provide a lot of guidance to parents with children across the spectrum, right? I mean, very, very young children. I think, um, Lily, you and I both have um, kids under five and under or, or, or just around that age. Um, and, and Maureen, you've done it. You've, you've raised a child while um, building a business. So, you know, what, what advice would you give to, to people? Because there are people that are struggling right now. Um, what, what advice would you give, especially as we move into, you know, more homeschooling and, and while the, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we don't know when, when we're going to reach that when it comes to um, childcare and schooling and all of that. So yeah, I'll, I'll let which one, one of you wants to dive in and talk about um, what advice you would give? I'll start because I, I, I just think for years we've been talking about work-life balance, but I think now it really is work-life integration. We've got to integrate in more comfortably and particularly now because of COVID, we're all working at home. So we have so many different um, challenges and opportunities as well, but we've got to be able to create that balance. Um, and we have to try to keep things separate, but we also have to find a way to integrate the two and, and be happy in the fact that, that we have jobs and that we, um, that, and that we have children. And I worry the most about my colleagues with children. I, I lay in bed at night. I, I know how difficult it is for them to balance all of it. The hardest thing is just to blend the responsibilities um, and do it seamlessly. Um, I think what's, what's really important, and I have found it in my, in, in my work life integration right now, is I try very hard to stay structured, to keep a schedule. Um, and I try to you know stay on that schedule. And I, I, I don't think it's a good idea to try to decompartmentalize because I think it all, it, in a strange way, it does blend into one, into one thing. Work and life, they're not separate anymore. They're, they used to be separate, now they're not. And I think that it's, it's important that, that we realize that we have to be flexible. And that goes for ourselves and the entire, the entire family. And I think you've got to wake up feeling grateful and um, and and wake up feeling good about about your work, and good about it every day. You have to have passion. You have to have purpose. Um, and if you don't have that, then you have to think about pivoting, which we talked about earlier. Maybe you need a reset. Um, so, from my perspective, I think you have to adjust your expectations. It's it's very difficult right now. We will all get through it. We'll all get through it together. 
um, at Libby Taylor, you know, we, we take care of ourselves, but we really take care of each other. And we're always checking in. I mean, just yesterday with what happened, we all checked in as a company on each other just to make sure that everybody was okay. So that's how I would recommend we start to cope, really think of it as integration and that the two lives intersect. Um, and we have, to, we have to find that balance, but we have to be grateful in this day and age that, that we have work and again, that we have a family. So that's my perspective. Yeah, I think for me, um, I agree with uh, with all of that. I, I do think that um, there is no separation, um, right. but I do think that work-life balance, the word balance doesn't resonate with me as much. I know that's used a lot, but I think balance means different things to different people. The one thing that sticks with me is just boundaries. Once I became a working parent, and I would say even for folks who aren't are not parents, I think it's important that um, we draw clear boundaries and are unapologetic about it. I think before I used to let work and bleed into all aspects of my, my evenings and weekends and just all, all the time and always on was this badge of honor. And I realized that that's not where I work best. And so the, the drawing of boundaries has um, been important to me where I'll say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm shutting down at, you know, X o'clock and I'll be offline. If you have anything urgent, give me a call. There's no such thing as an urgent email after, you know, into the evening or on the weekends. Um, give me a call or ping me. Hmm. But I, I think being present has been important as a working parent. I don't want to be at work and then feel guilt or feel like I'm distracted by what's happening in, in home life. Yet on the flip side, I don't want to be sitting at the dinner table and not feel like I can be present with my children for the few hours that I get with them during the day and kind of looking under the table, kind of checking my phone, like how many people have, have done that before. Yeah. And it's, it's not a great uh, behavior to model for the little ones, I, I believe, it's, especially when we're trying to kind of uh, curb screen time. So that, I think bound, drawing boundaries has, has been important for me as I navigate work life. Oh, Lily, I couldn't agree more. You know, and, and, I, and it's not easy. And I think you, you gave a really good sort of tangible takeaway for folks listening that, you know, if it's after hours requesting a call instead of an email, because, and that makes people pause and reconsider, do I want to be calling Lily or, you know, whoever at 730 at night? Um, or is this, an, is this something that can wait till the morning? And I think that's a really, really sound piece of of advice and is that something that you would recommend especially because you know this is a, this is client service right yes. um for many and, and you worked agency side um do you think that is something that can realistically be implemented like with clients say so, you know if it's if it's after hours do we you know call us you know because otherwise you know everyone they're shooting those emails off at 9 yes. p.m and <laughs> i i think it's challenging but i do think there's beauty in in being transparent it's not to say that i'm not here and i'm not accessible but after maybe 7 p.m. or whatever your time is, as, as a lot of working parents know, there's this crush in the evening where it's bath time, dinner time, yes. bedtime routine, and you're just like, ah, this onslaught, tactically speaking, to prevent from me feeling like I have to constantly check email. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm really transparent about with my internal clients, as well as, or if you're on the agency side, it's external clients, mm -hmm. but also my teammates to say like, I am here and I am available, but from these hours on, best to pick up the phone and just give me a ring 
because I will not be refreshing constantly at this time. But after they go to sleep, I'll be back online if you need me and Mm -hmm. not a problem. I think transparency is important. And I, and I do feel like in the past there were more norms um, where, you know, some people had to leave early to do kid pickup when we were back in the office, if you remember those days. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd seen women, and I, and I know it's a parent thing, but I had seen women leave their jacket on the, their chair and then quietly sneak out. And I was like, why, why do you need to do that? We, we, should, be, we should really be unapologetic about the obligations that we have as working parents and say, hey, I'm leaving. I know it's five. I need to go do kid pickup but please call me. I'll be on the road during this time available via cell phone, et cetera. I think it's a little more difficult when you're on the agency side. You're in the service business. You are going particularly through a time when companies are having a very difficult time and they want their team to be available to them at any time. And particularly if they have a crisis, they want you there at, at any hour. We work with a lot of clients overseas and we work with clients in California. So there's different time schedules. So it's, it's, it's complex. It's, it's not easy, but I agree with Lily. You have to set boundaries, internal boundaries. I can't set boundaries with clients, but I can have my own. And certainly our, my colleagues, we all know that we have to respect each other. Certainly parents who are during that, you know, that special time, like between six and like seven thirty, when when babies are being put to bed. But as Lily said, after that, um, most families are back online. So it's it's difficult. Um, we we just cannot tell a client that we're not. I'm sorry, I'm I'm putting the baby to bed at that time. It's just it's just it's more difficult. So we just have to be careful and try to make it seamless, even when we're doing those chores, we're still, we've got the phone somewhere nearby. Uh, but I respect what Lily's saying about, about boundaries and how important it is. Um, but it's just a little more difficult, I think, when you're on the agency side. And I think that is why we do see a lot of, uh, you know, we do see attrition on the agency side after a certain and burnout. level. Yeah. A lot of burnout. I mean, and, I, mean I, I, have, I have conversations with people all the time that are, that are client side and they'll ask me, oh, you know, what's, who's, who's hiring? What's an interesting place to go? And if I mention an agency, I get this reflex of, no, I'm not, I'm, I, that, 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 in fact, one person told me, uh, he, he said, he said, agency is a young person's game. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> and, um, you know, but, it, and I think that's something to think about is like, you know, it, it, it should is the agency model, you know, how should that change? And again, that's not the context of this call, but, but it's, it's, it's conversations that I have with agency leaders and with folks on the brand side um, about sort of what needs to change on the agency side. It's a constant dilemma. You know, we, we were being careful and we talked about being careful about framing this around around parents and not women because again as long as as an industry we put the expectation that it's going to be women that are going to be running out the door um then there's we're not going to see many women in your chair um maureen right i mean and it we need to shift the expectation that it's fathers and mothers that that should be taking absolutely and parenting and and that leads me to sort of a dei conversation and Lily, you had mentioned you were, you know, the only woman of color um, in, on, on the leadership team, on the communications leadership team. And that's something that we see consistently in the industry across the board. There are very, very few women of color that are in leadership positions in our industry. Although, um, you know, thankfully it's changed. We see we have a lot of white women in leadership positions, thankfully now, um, more than we did two years ago, honestly. Um, so I'm curious to hear what you all think about um, what needs to happen next when it comes to DEI in our industry, so that we have more 
leaders of color across the spectrum, you know, Asian American, Latinas, um, Black uh, Americans, you know, what, what can we do as an industry to have more visible leadership of color? Things are changing, Arthi, and you've mentioned that. And I, and I think they are changing for the better. And it's, it's, some people may complain that the progress has been slow, but I, I feel like it's been encouraging. And the more um, representation that we have, I think part of it is for, you know, in folks like Jesse Marine in your position, or as I've had a chance to grow in my career, we are, there is an awareness and there is a commitment to lift others up as well. And part of being an ally, you know, you know, no matter what your background is, or in this case being, you know, female, it, you know, is, is looking out for others, mentoring, um, helping to open up and, and elevate other people's voices, helping to provide opportunities and provide visibility. And I think um, if we're all doing that and, and opening doors for, for folks of diverse backgrounds, um, it, it will change over time. And, and, I, and I see that change happening and I'm really encouraged by it. That's great. I think to dismantle structural racism um, in an organization, it starts with the culture and you really have to, um, I think also what we have found, it's very, very important that top, top leadership from the CEO down is very important uh, that everybody be involved and that everybody be aligned. I also think it's really important that you get complete um, feedback and incentivize middle managers because your middle managers are the ones that make an initiative either work or not work. I think listening is so important. You have to listen to your, um, your staff, particularly people of color, and make sure that, that, they're, that, they're, that, that things are working for them, um, that they feel like this is a company that they, they want to continue to work for. I also think that when you're in the mix with the CEO and HR and your, your diversity team, it's important to also have a data analyst there. Data is so important. I think data is really going to set us all straight and help us realize um, exactly, you know, what we what we need to do. And I think, you know, just evidence based um, bias um, in interpreters are really important because so much of it is 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 unconscious, and it's the number one priority for Lippy Taylor right now. This has to become a daily initiative and the entire agency or the entire organization has to buy in. And I think also that there have to be um, business metrics involved in this initiative. It has to um, relate to, to how we do our business and our success metrics in business. It all has to be intertwined. It's complex. It's not comfortable, but it's something that we're all, um, we all are committed to and we have to be committed. To it. It's extremely, extremely important. We're all talking to each other in the industry and we're all, you know, exploring different ideas. And obviously we're trying to connect with, with, with the right universities, black universities, and trying to make sure that we go into those universities and talk about our industry so that we make sure that, that, that more people of color, male, female, are interested in public relations. Because what we found is you know, many of them were not studying it. So I think it's incumbent upon us as PR leaders to go into these universities and actually talk about the beauty, the advantages 
you know, what, what we do for a living and why it can be such a successful career. Um, I think that's really important and incumbent on all of us to do. And then with those universities, use them to find talent and create close working relationships with, with their departments. And so that we find the best and the brightest to, to, to get involved in our, in our companies. But I think educating about our industry is really important. Yeah. You know, going, circling back to something Lily said at the beginning of this conversation was, you know, if you can't see it, it's hard to be it. And I think that's why yeah. it's so important for women, you know, Maureen like yourself and Lily like yourself to be visible and to show that there are, there are pathways um, to, to leadership. Um, and, you know, that's, that's one of the things I think the industry had struggled with for a long time was, you know, you, you saw 70% women on the, the sort of working ranks, but then you looked up at the managements and, yeah. you know, the CCOs and the, the CEOs of the bigger agencies, and it was all men, it was all white men for the most part. And thankfully, I mean, that's something that we are seeing tremendous progress on. I mean, really, I mean, I've been mm -hmm. following this for mm -hmm. a decade and in the last few years, so much progress has been made on that front. So so, 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 so thank you both for actually, you know, helping with this by being visible and, and present and um, available today. Uh, you know, I'm looking at my notes and there are so many things we didn't even get to touch on. Um, but, but I know we, we, we do need to wrap up. So I want to thank both Lily and Maureen and I'll, we'll close on, do you have any closing thoughts? And so wasn't anything, that, you know, there was a lot that we didn't get to touch on. You know, we'll do this Twitter style, like lightning style. If you want to give me a couple of sentences on kind of any closing thoughts on, on what advice you would give to folks going into 2021. I'm happy to start. I, I think that some practical advice as I reflect back, again, I think it has been helpful for me to have a guiding light and a North Star. In this case, it was, you know, where can I learn? How can I make impact? And and in many cases, like what scares me, if, if it's something scared me, an opportunity scared me, I knew it was probably the right thing. Um, the, the last thing I'll, I'll leave folks with, and this seems very simple, is as you navigate through your career, whether it's with clients or managers, teammates, bosses, be kind. I, I do think that it's a small world. You never know where things are going to come back and reputation matters. And so, I, you know, I've had situations where I was on the agency side and, you know, I was the serving the client, but later later on, you know, went somewhere else and the client was looking for a job and you just never know how the world comes back around. So, so be kind, be a good person and have integrity in your work and, um, and in the way you deal with people. Lily, I couldn't agree more. And what I was going to say is just this year, certainly we've learned the importance of empathy and kindness and just understanding and really caring for each other. I know we talked about it earlier, but the fact that, you know, everybody is, is working in their, in their homes. I, you know, I think about some of my wonderful younger colleagues who live in, you know, 500 square foot apartments and they can't, they can't leave. They can't see their families. They, they haven't seen their parents or their grandparents in months. I'm worried about everybody from, from at, at every level at the agency. And one of the things that we have found that has really worked is to have constant communication, constantly communicate with our staff. We're, we're always talking to each other. Kind of our guiding light is that we've got to take care of each other as well as ourselves, as I, as I, I said earlier. I think that's so important. And we're, we were also very committed to trying to, you know, make sure that we offered guidance in, in emotional and mental health because this has been so difficult for, for all of us. 
And we were able to make sure that we had the therapists available at any time, day or night, 24 seven for any of our staff. So I think getting back to what Lily said, just the kindness and the empathy and the understanding and, and taking care of ourselves, but also each other was certainly the principles um, that, that, that we lived by this year. And I'm hoping that we will continue to live by these, um, these, these principles moving forward into 2021. Thank God it's here um, and, and into the future. Because if we learned anything, we learned the importance of, of empathy and kindness and taking care of each other this year, I think, more than ever. So I, I think there's many good things that have come out of COVID. And I think what Lily and I have just discussed are some of the most important things. Yeah, what, what, a, what, a great, what a great note to end things on. Well, so, so thank you. Thank you, Lily. Thank you for making the time. Thank you, Maureen, for, for joining us again. And thank you for, for, for our listeners um, for, for tuning in. Um, and we, I'm sure we'll be back at some point with another, with another Mentoring Circle series. We will. Yes. Thanks, Arthi. Thanks, Lily. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you both. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.